Where do you want it? Like to the side? You don't need this, do you? No. It's an extra one. And then I'll just, yeah, be sure that it goes that good. Testing. Can you hear me? Yeah, okay. Good. I can't hear one thing out of my right ear. I'm going to Greenwood today to see about I mean, it's terrible. I don't know what happened. But, well, the, I did talk to the nurses the other day. She said that it was probably an infection. We're going on a trip next week. Who do we know?
Good morning and welcome to the Presbyterian Church on Edisto Island. It's a joy to have you with us today. Before we begin worship, I have some announcements. We love to welcome visitors, especially first-time visitors. For those who are with us today for the first time, we have a small gift for you to remember us by and to share a little bit more about our church. If you'll raise your hands, uh, an usher will bring you a welcome bag. Is there any new? Okay. Should you need it, a restroom is under the stairwell through that corner door. There are friendship registers in each pew that let us know of your presence this morning. Please sign and pass along to your neighbors. If you're visiting today, there's a space for you to leave your contact info, and we'll be glad to get in touch. The nursery is over in the ministry center and welcomes children ages six and under at any time during the service. Ushers are available to escort them, escort them over after the children's sermon. We will form a cross of lilies on our front porch in celebration of Easter again this year, and you may purchase a lily in memory or in honor of someone. The cost is $8 per lily, and you may either put your order form in, which is found in today's bulletin, and, and a check in the offering, or drop it off at the church office. The last day to order will be Palm Sunday. The worship committee will meet today in the ministry center immediately after worship. Presbyterian women gather in the fellowship hall tomorrow beginning at 9.45 a.m. All women are welcome and encouraged to attend. This Wednesday continues our Lenten services at 6 p.m. followed by a soup and cornbread meal. We hope to see you there. Fresh Express returns to our parking lot this Thursday at 1 p.m. Bring a reusable bag and come get free produce. Also, the food pantry needs volunteers. Please consider helping this by delivering food to one or more families on the island once each month. We provide the food, you gather what your recipient needs and bring it to their home. And I do this and it's really a, an easy thing to do, so please consider it. Um, contact Bonnie Gary or Brenda Barnes for more information. Please read the flash email for more details on these and other upcoming events. Now we will begin our worship with a time of centering.
please stand and join me in the call of worship, which you'll find in your bulletin. Come into God's presence with thanksgiving. Let us sing to the rock of our salvation. Even in the deserts of our lives, God is among us. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Let us pray. Holy One, we yearn to draw near as we arrive in this place. We come to calm our hearts, soothe our fears, and deepen our faith. As a Samaritan woman before us, help us draw cool water from the well of your love and help us to leave with the living water of belief through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Please remain standing as we sing hymn 356, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. may be seated. Friends, God does not wait for us to be righteous or pure or perfect. Christ died for us while we were still yet sinners. We do not have to hide our sin from God, but we can face God who heals us, teaches us, and leads us into new life.
Therefore, we boldly pray now together our prayer of confession. Jesus, friend of all, once again we come to you knowing our words have stung, our actions have harmed, and our indifference has let evil have its day. Our hearts yearn for you, our souls thirst for you, yet we do not imitate you in our lives. We scorn those who are different from us and relish our own comfort. Once again, forgive us, O God. Give us your living water that we might tell the world all you have done for us. We pray now in silent confession. Amen. As you are able, may we stand together to hear these words of assurance. We know that God is with us even in our sufferings, for suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts. Thanks be to God. seated. Hear these words for the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Living God, through the reading of scriptures and by the power of your spirit, may we hear for ourselves the good news and believe because of your word that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. Amen. 
Our Old Testament reading is from Psalms 95. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and the dry land which his hands have formed. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Oh, that today you would listen to his voice. Do not harden your hearts, O Meribah, as on the day of Massah in the wilderness, when your ancestors tested me and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For forty years I loathed that generation and said, They are a people whose hearts go astray, and they do not regard my ways. Therefore, my anger, in my anger, I swore, they shall not enter my, my rest. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'd like to invite any children to come forward for our time together. Right, we can pull a second bitch out. We need some more room. Oh, excuse me, trip. All right. Good morning. I'm glad to see everyone. Did you hear the psalm that Miss Norma just read? It was Psalm 95. If you were listening with good ears, can you remember anything from the psalm that you heard? Well, I want to read what is kind of a paraphrase of the first few verses of Psalm 95. What Miss Norma read, she said, O come, let us sing to the Lord, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving, let us make a joyful noise to him with songs and praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Now, there are lots of different translations of the Bible because this was not originally written in our language. It was originally written in a language called Hebrew. So we've had to translate into English. So there are many ways that we can translate these words. And this is from a book called Psalms for Children. And it's a paraphrase of those first few verses. It says this. Now, put your good listening ears on. Let's shout out loud with joy to God because God is a really big God. God can call the whole world in God's hands, the deep caves, the mountaintops, the blue seas, and you and me. Okay, that time, what did you hear? when I read that paraphrase of Psalm 95, the first few verses. What stuck out to you? Yeah? Hold the whole world in his hands. Yeah, the original Psalm that Miss Norma read talked about the hills and the valleys and the oceans and God has all of that in God's care. And then the Psalm says, and we are the people 
of God's pasture, the sheep of God's fold. And what that means is that like a shepherd cares for the sheep, God cares for us. What do you think about that? Do you think God knows you? Do you think God knows what you need today? Yeah, I think God does. I think God knows us all so well and knows the world so well, and God loves all of us and the world so well that God keeps us in God's special care. That is pretty amazing. Don't you think? I'm not sure what we think. <laughs> now, I have one more point of this psalm to highlight. What do we, when we gather for worship every Sunday, do we do it without noise or songs or hymns? No. One of the things that this psalm tells us that we do every time we worship is it says, Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Or remember, let's put it this way. Let's shout out loud with joy to God. And we do that because we remember that God is so big and has all of the world and each one of us in God's care. And in thanksgiving, in excitement, in joy, we respond to that with our loud shouts and with our singing and with our worship. So that's what we're doing here today. Okay? Make sense? All right. <laughs> Let's have a prayer together. Dear God, you have made us and formed us and all of creation with your loving care, and we give you great thanks for holding each of us in the palm of your hand. Help us to worship this day in thanksgiving. Amen. All right, you can return to your pews with your adult, or you can walk to the nursery. Miss Bess is in the back.
It's been suggested you may be dehydrated, but not know it. I'll speak more on that in just a moment, but first we turn from the gospel proclaimed in song to the spoken word. This morning's selection from John is lengthy. All 38 verses appear in your bulletin, and the entirety of it is the lectionary reading for the day. I had considered breaking it up and reading just a few verses so that you'd get the idea and then I could point out specifics. However, I decided against that, so we'll hear the passage in whole. First, this is masterful storytelling we encounter in John chapter 4. To pick and choose only parts, I think, loses that beauty. Second, as we journey through Lent, we are paying attention to these conversations Jesus has with others and intentionally overhearing them in such a way that they can bring meaning to our life, our discipleship, and our commitment. So I want us to hear this conversation without extrapolating what I believe are those important points because you might hear something different and meaningful for you on this Lenten journey. Since it is a long passage, you may choose to encounter it as I read with some spiritual disciplines in mind. If you like, you can read along with me as it's printed, and if you have a writing utensil, maybe you'd like to underline or circle some words or phrases that you feel are significant. That way you can go back to these words in almost a Lectio Divina style and read them again and meditate upon them to hear what God might be saying to you. Maybe you'd rather engage some spiritual imagination. As I read, you can close your eyes and imagine the story, the scenery, the people, the atmosphere created by the storyteller. Imagine yourself there, present. Not just overhearing, but as a live participant. However you choose to engage the text this morning, try to be open once again to the Spirit's movement as we hear God's living word this day. A reading from John chapter 4, verses 5 through 42. So Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, uh, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? 
Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to come, keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say four months more then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is ready, already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many 
Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Writer and preacher and editor suggests this week in the Presbyterian Outlook publication, you must be dehydrated right now, but don't know it. She says that Bradley P. Holt begins his book, Thirsty for God, A Brief History of Christian Spirituality, with these words, explaining that the first signals our body gives us that we need water, they're not immediate, and they're not strong. We might feel uneasy, maybe a little tired. We head to the refrigerator for a snack, but what we really need is a tall glass of water. The same is true for our spiritual thirst, Holt continues. We may feel restless, anxious, or depressed. We may try to satisfy our needs with retail therapy, a chocolate fix, <clears throat> or an unhealthy relationship when what we really need is to simply know that we're loved, that we belong, and that we are not wandering in the wilderness of our lives alone and without resources, that God is with us. And I would add that God knows us. So we might go to the fridge looking for food, but we're really dehydrated. And we might come to church looking for one thing, but we find that what we really need is the assurance that we see in our text this morning. The themes of thirst and water and everlasting life, they permeate our readings today. Norma read in the psalm a time referencing when the Israelites quarreled. They betrayed Moses' leadership and just about, about brought down the whole camp of Israel, all because they needed water. And they were afraid. Without this vital resource, they questioned if God was really even with them or not. They questioned if God ever knew what they needed. Dehydrated people will go to extremes to quench their thirst. Then in the gospel today, John masterfully describes this encounter between the Samaritan woman and what we ultimately find is her quest to be filled with Jesus who answers, who reassures and who even challenges her to satiate her longing by turning to him. Thirst, water, reassurance, and everlasting life, they all meet 
in this dialogue. Two Sundays ago, I shared with you that as I was reading over all of the lectionary gospel passages for Lent, I noticed that they were all dialogues. All, all contained dialogues where Jesus reacts and responds to questions. The story of the gospel unfolds through these questions and answers almost in a story core kind of way. And we learn a lot about the characters but we also can add our own questions as we seek to get an overall picture of who Jesus is, what he came to do, and how we might respond. Remember, two weeks ago, we first encountered Jesus in conversation with the devil as Jesus was tempted, and we considered ourselves what tempts us. Last week, Occam read the story of Nicodemus and Jesus' late-night conversation and considered what we might risk to follow Jesus. Or as Bonhoeffer puts it, what is the cost of discipleship? Today, we're halfway through Lent now, and the setting is changed. The characters are different, but the longing to know Jesus, it's still present we studied this passage about the Samaritan woman just a few weeks ago in our Wednesday morning Bible study. It was a great conversation around the table, and I thought this morning I would share a few of the highlights that we considered. First, I think it's significant to pay attention to the background of these two in dialogue. Jesus is a Jew. The woman is from Samaria. And while they worship the same God and share the same history and heritage, by this point in the story, Jews and Samaritans are not just adversarial. They are bitter enemies. This is what makes that parable that Jesus teaches about the good Samaritan so poignant because for a Jew, there is no such thing as a good Samaritan. Jews considered them heretics. That made them unclean and unworthy. Unworthy of even touch. This is why the woman suspiciously asked Jesus why he wants her, of all people, to draw him a drink because by Jewish standards, even touching his water would make it undrinkable. So right at the start, Jesus levels the playing field. He asks for her touch. He invites her into dialogue, breaking social and political boundaries that had been in place for a very, very long time. Second, this woman goes unnamed throughout this lengthy passage. Jesus seems to know everything about her, but never mentions her name. Instead, she is referred to repeatedly by her nationality as a Samaritan. And I think for John, this is intentional. Maybe when we imagine the story, we give her a face. Maybe we even give her a name. 
But by keeping her vague, we can sideline her personality and relegate her almost as a spokesperson for all of Samaria. Maybe she represents or symbolizes Jesus's ministry beyond Jerusalem. The Hebrew promise that God will be with the Jews, will write his covenant upon their very hearts, well, now that extends to a whole other group of people, and not just any group, a despised group. These Samaritans can drink of the living well just as readily as can the Jews, and that is a major shift in theology, in ideology for this covenant people. Third, this is one of the most extended dialogues recorded that Jesus has with anyone in the entirety of the Bible. It's the longest conversation recorded, and it's with a woman. For centuries, biblical scholarship was male-dominated, and as such, much has been read into this story to nuance her, to put her in her place, giving her a background that dismisses her as a loose woman, even as a prostitute. My seminary New Testament professor used to say that this story, maybe more so than others, has to be stripped of generations worth of what she calls interpretive litter. One of my favorite preachers, Fred Craddock, observes, evangelists aplenty have assumed that the brighter her nails, the darker her mascara, and the shorter her skirt, the greater testimony to the power of the converting word. Let's be clear. If we read verse 18 literally, it tells us that she had five husbands. It doesn't say why. It doesn't tell us what she's wearing. And unfortunately today we don't have time to get into the variety of reasons that could apply to her marital status, most of which, as a woman, she wouldn't have even had any control over anyway. Regardless, those details are simply not available to us in this text. And Jesus, he offers no words of judgment. So why should we? Further, to chase down the implications of her marital history is simply to miss the point Jesus is trying to make. This woman who represents all of Samaria, maybe even beyond, she's dehydrated. He asks for a drink from her in order to engage her in a conversation, knowing that it's really she who is thirsty. And in this conversation, Jesus reveals to her that he'll not only quench her thirst, but he knows why she's thirsty to begin with. And indeed, he knows her so completely that she does not need to hide anything from him. There's no secret keeping when it comes to God. The people that were wandering in the desert wondered if God knew what they needed as they were dying of thirst. 
God was with them through Moses. Remember the story? God instructed Moses to strike the rock with his staff, and it says water came gushing forth. Then just a few chapters later in Exodus, God meets Moses on Mount Sinai and gives to him the Ten Commandments, laws for community and life, laws for well-being and the flourishing of a people who were also hungry for they tried to figure out how to live this new life and community on their own, and it couldn't be done. But God was with them, and God knew them, and God knew what they needed. And this theme from Exodus 17, we see time and time again in the Old Testament and repeated in the New Testament. The people wonder, maybe even grieve, over this question of God's presence and God's knowledge. And time again, God answers, maybe not in the way that we'd like or expect, but God answers in the way that we need. There may be things that we wish that we could hide from Jesus, pieces of our stories we hope we'll never have to confess. The good news is that God does know us and loves us no matter what. Like the woman at the well, God has water to quench the thirst of what we are longing for. And God will even challenge us with work to do to help quench that thirst of others as we proclaim and as we serve. And our thirst is both quenched and we are both challenged to quench the thirst of others no matter who we are, no matter where we've been or what we've done, what's happened in our life, be it yesterday or even 20 years ago. The promised covenant given to the Jews of God's love written upon our hearts, that promise is for us too. And that promise resides right there today. So watch out for those signs of dehydration. Be careful that you don't seek to be satiated with that which does not fill. There is living water for all. I imagine if Jesus appeared at noon today, sat outside maybe in front of our church or in the garden, maybe he met us down the road at McConkie's afterwards, I believe that he would know you, know you fully, just as he knew the woman at the well. And that's so humbling to think about, being known so intimately. But it's also a blessing beyond imagination and being known so fully, we can be assured that we are not wandering in this wilderness of life without the thirst-quenching resources given to us by God through Christ. May it be so. Amen. Friends, I invite you to stand with me as we read together and proclaim our faith in a Lenten creed. 
we believe that our lives are held within the encircling love of God, who knows our names and recognizes our deepest needs, we believe that Christ is the divine child of the living God and that his grace is like living waters that can never be exhausted. We believe in the birthing, renewing, enabling spirit of God who yearns over our welfare as a mother yearns for her child. We believe that God is in the arid desert as well as in the green pastures and that hard times and disciplines are also loving gifts. We believe that our journey has a purpose and a destination and that our path leads to human glory we cannot yet imagine. We believe that in the church, we are fellow pilgrims on the road and that we are called to love one another as God loves us. This is our faith and we are humbled to profess in Jesus the Christ. Amen. You may be seated. May we join our hearts and minds together in prayer. God of glory, we thirst for your presence in the midst of loneliness and despair. For your spirit of love poured into our hearts. For Christ's living water that quenches eternally. May all your children know that they belong and that they are loved and that they are wonderfully made. Hear now our silent prayers to know your presence even in the midst of suffering. God of life, we thirst for knowledge of you at work in our world, dispelling our doubt and uncertainty. We pray for you to right what is wrong, to banish evil and restore order in the midst of chaos. Turn our world toward peace. Hear now our silent prayers to know the ways that you are at work in our world. God of hope, we thirst for healing and harmony, for an end to violence and living in fear of the next mass shooting. We pray for an end to bipartisan fighting and legislative meltdowns and political turmoil that serves no citizen well. Fashion our world, our nation, our communities into places that reflect your peaceable kingdom where every life is valued, everyone is respected. Hear now our silent prayers for healing and harmony. In your mercy, O oh God, hear the prayers of your people. Help us walk with you during this Lenten season so that we can learn and grow in your embrace. Help us to follow in the footsteps of our Savior who calls us and asks us to pray as he prayed. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The psalm reminds us that God is the rock of our salvation, bringing forth water in the wilderness of our lives. Friends, in gratitude, let us respond to God's goodness as we offer the gifts of our lives.
May we pray. We hear your voice, O God, beckoning us to be your hands and your feet in the world. Show us a way through the wilderness with knapsacks filled with blessings and vessels of living water for a hurting world. Receive these offerings that they may be for others the blessings that we have received from your hand. All this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You'll find our closing hymn printed as an insert in your bulletin. Let us sing now together. Will you let me be your servant? may the Lord of the wilderness continue to share with you the life-giving waters of hope, love, and faith in your lives. May we have the wisdom to seek Christ's gifts, gifts of these same hope, love, and faith, the gifts of diversity, and the gifts that we have to serve others along the way. May it be so. Amen.